Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced in the studios of 3CR on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. I'm Judith Peppard. On August 24th, the Federal Resources Minister, Madeleine King, announced that she was opening up 10 new sites for offshore oil and gas exploration, a move described by Professor Sam Hepburn from Deakin University as a win for fossil fuel companies, but a staggering loss for the rest of Australia. And on that same day, people living along the south coast of Victoria heard that the multinational companies TGS and Schlumberger, or Schlumberger as it's often called, were seeking approval to conduct 3D seismic surveys in huge areas of the Otway Basin off the coasts of Tasmania, Victoria and South Australia. Seismic surveys are typically the first step in offshore oil and gas exploration. Today on Earth Matters, we're going to take a closer look at seismic surveys, what they are, what their impact is, and why so many people across the south coast of Victoria want them stopped. Those guns are being blasted every 10 seconds, generally, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for months and months and months. Marcus Nolay, chair of the Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op. And we'll hear more from Marcus later in the show. I'll also be chatting with Lisa Depola from Ocean, the Otway Climate Emergency Action Network, and Yaron Cousins-Bundle, a whale-dreaming custodian and coordinator of SOPEC, the Southern Ocean Protection Embassy Collective. But first up, Dr. Kat Dory from the Australian Marine Conservation Society. Kat has studied marine environments for over 20 years, and I noticed in her writing she often refers to seismic surveying or testing as seismic blasting. I asked her why. Seismic testing is used by the oil and gas industry to seek out oil and gas reserves under the seabed. And we call it blasting because what they use is a very loud air gun which sends blasts of sound down into the seabed. And it has to be really loud because it has to penetrate through many kilometres of rock. This is done from a seismic testing vessel. And they also tow behind the vessel a whole array of hydrophones, little detectors that detect sound. How loud is that sound, actually? I guess it's got to penetrate rock. Many people describe it as the loud as some of the loudest rocket launches, so launch rockets into space, so that level of sound, 250 decibels. Human eardrums would probably burst at around 85 decibels. How often would the sounds be blasted? Recent ones I've seen can be between 5 and 10 seconds. So every 5 and 10 seconds is one of these blasts, 24 hours a day or days on end. One of the ones I'm looking at the moment is a 70-day survey. I'm just trying to imagine, like in my neighbourhood, If I were having those kinds of sounds going off, how would I be affected? It's bad enough if you're living next door to a building site. If I had a rocket launcher every day, I definitely would have left the area. And that's exactly what happens. Marine mammals such as whales and dolphins, how are they affected? If they're sort of near the area, but not right in the the zone of blasting, they'll leave. 
if they're looking for food, if they're returning to breeding sites, that kind of constant disruption is bad, particularly for migrating whales that are going to a certain place that they know and that they've got their calves with them. They want to go somewhere safe, relax on their long migration um, and find somewhere to eat and rest. If they're having to leave an area because of seismic testing, that's definitely going to have an impact. What impact does it have on like smaller creatures? The small amount of research that's been done on small creatures is mainly focused on zooplankton, the teeny weeny small critters that tend to rely on ocean currents to pull them around. But it can also include baby fish species, baby lobsters, all the larvae forms of larger creatures, other small creatures like krill. Krill can actually be killed up to 1.2 kilometres away from a blast site. Other creatures that they've looked at have been spiny lobsters and scallops, very important species for fishes in Australia. They're definitely damaged by seismic testing, damages their immune systems, changes in behaviour and reflexes, so it increases the likelihood of them dying of something else because they're not behaving in their usual way, they're going to be easier to catch by predators, they won't be able to respond to disease because they've got this damage to their various different systems. There was a case in 2010 where after some seismic testing had been done, the fishers found a whole lot of dead or damaged scallops and they estimated about 24,000 tonnes of catch loss, which was millions of dollars. It was hard to specifically tie it back to the seismic testing, but that's certainly what the, the fishers believed and that's what the suspected cause was. You've mentioned the zooplankton, but we wouldn't necessarily, if we're wandering along the beach, notice zooplankton. We're more likely to notice the whales. However, the death of the zooplankton affects the whales, doesn't it? Yes, it affects every other creature in the ocean. Some of those are little zooplankton are food for everybody else. It's the major food for some of the whales. Krill is a, is a key food. But also those are the baby fish, baby scallops, baby lobsters, little creatures that either become food for somebody or grow up into full-sized marine animals. Kat Dory, marine scientist with the Australian Marine Conservation Society. I asked Kat about the release of new acreage for oil and gas exploration. There's usually acreage released every year. I've been looking at some of the acreage that's been released in the Bass Strait because it's right next to marine parks, very close to and in some of the marine parks. Aren't marine parks protected? Marine parks have various different zoning areas, so you can have some areas that are highly protected, which we call sanctuary zones. The other end of the scale, there's areas that are multi-use zones. So there's some activities are restricted, like some types of fishing might be restricted, but oil and gas is still allowed in a large number of areas that are marine protected areas. Last year, there was some seismic testing off King Island in Tasmania, and part of that was in one of the marine parts down there. There's a proposal for some seismic testing in Rolly Shoals, which is this amazing, quite far offshore, pristine set of reefs west of Broome. Such a unique marine ecosystem, three different reefs, four different kinds of whales, all of the different sea turtles. We counted 96 different protected species in the area. And there's a proposal to do seismic testing right next to that. The Senate conducted an inquiry into seismic testing and they released their findings in 2021. What did they recommend? There's a variety of recommendations. A lot of them focused on improving research. Key thing for us was they proposed a levy on oil and gas industries so that they would help fund more research. The other key one for us was they proposed getting seismic out of all marine parks until we have much better data on what the real impacts are. 
Have these recommendations been acted on? So they rejected the proposal for a levy on oil and gas. So this levy would have been a way to make sure that this research gets done independently of the oil and gas industry. They outright rejected the proposal to keep oil and gas out of marine parks. This is companies that want to find more oil and gas, which is going to make the whole climate emergency even worse. We and many environmental groups are calling for no new oil and gas development. So that would include no more seismic testing. Cat Dory from the Australian Marine Conservation Society. And as Kat pointed out, more research is needed. For example, research conducted in tropical waters can't be applied to temperate waters, and different species are affected in different ways by seismic surveys, so all this needs to be taken into consideration when granting exploration licences. And sadly, the research is often not there. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, and today we're looking at seismic surveys, or seismic blasting, a more accurate description of what actually happens. Marcus Nole is the chair of the Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op. He fished in the area for 12 years before retiring, and continues to be an advocate for the fisheries in the region. I caught up with Marcus in Apollo Bay a few weeks ago, and asked how he felt when he heard the news that multinational companies TGS and Schlumberger had applied to NOPTA, the National Offshore Petroleum Titles Administrator, for a license to conduct a 3D seismic survey in the Otway Basin. I'd like to say I was surprised, but I'm not. We've been having to deal with these seismic surveys now for as long as I've been fishing here. It actually wears everyone down because as a fishing industry, we're not geared up to deal with this all the time. A lot of the engagement, it's quite technical, it's quite time-consuming. You have to re-prosecute all the same arguments every time. And the reality is it's also rather fruitless because the way that the regulatory regime is set up, these companies will get their seismic testing done, they will get their exploration done. That's the way the system works. So this proposed seismic survey, what's the scale of it? It's really huge. It's over 7.7 million hectares, bigger than the state of Tasmania. And it stretches from South Australia right along the continental shelf all the way down to west of King Island. And it's an important area for the whole oceanic environment in this part of the world. In fact, there's a system called the Bonnie Upwelling, and that occurs generally on an annual basis. And it's a major event where nutrient-rich waters actually flow up across that continental shelf and floods into all the inshore sort of areas along the coast here. That is actually a massive foundation of the food chain, and a lot of the migratory species that come through, the whales and the like, will feed through there. It creates the basis that underpins the food chain for a lot of the animals that live in and through Bass Strait. So what do we know about the damage that seismic testing does, the impact on the fisheries? There's been two or three big projects run, and now what we know is that seismic testing kills all the plankton in the water column, which is possibly not surprising. These seismic guns blast a shockwave through the water column and then eight kilometres into the bedrock and to bounce off the oil deposits and then come all the way back up to the surface again. The seismic testing vessels actually tow an array of these seismic guns, so they might actually have 24 guns you've got the boat pulling it along and then behind the guns you've got an array of uh, receptors that are towed behind them those guns are being blasted every 10 seconds generally 24 hours a day seven days a week for months and months and months 
What if I were scuba diving in an area where this seismic testing were happening? Would I be aware of it? You would not be allowed to. And if you did, it would probably do some very serious damage to your body. So there is not allowed to be any activity and there is not allowed to be anybody in the water when they're doing the seismic testing. They actually have to have boats in front of them and around them that are constantly looking for other boats around or any activity in the water and clearing the path in front of the seismic vessel. So a human couldn't stand it, but sea creatures don't have the option? The ones that have an option are the ones with tails because they've got the ability to bugger off. But if you haven't got a tail and you live on the floor, like a scallop or a lobster that's living in a cave, or plankton, which is floating in the water column, it's not easy to get away. So you just have to sit there and just suffer it, and that's where the damage gets done. Some work now being looked at as to you know the impacts that ocean noise has on migratory pathways for big animals like whales, but then you've got other animals like the southeastern short-finned eel, which actually has an incredible life cycle and literally will come down the creeks and rivers here in Apollo Bay and then go on a 3,000-mile journey through Bass Strait and all the way up to the Coral Sea to breed. When something so disruptive comes along, clearly all these animals are going to be impacted in some way, shape or form. There's already been a fair bit of seismic testing in the Otway Basin. What impact are people who fish seeing? Many years ago, there were scallop fishers who anecdotally said that if they went scallop dredging in the period of time following a seismic test, all the scallops were killed. Rock lobsters have a balance organ a little bit akin to like our ear uh, called a statocyst. And inside that balance organ are little hairs, much the same as with our ears, That balance organ helps a lobster right itself and know which way up it is in its environment. Seismic blasting breaks all those little hairs inside the statocyst, and so therefore it compromises the lobster's ability to understand its balance and where it is in the environment and right itself. Now that's permanent damage. Even when they molt, it doesn't grow back, and the hairs themselves don't grow back over time. Fishermen sometimes see things like dead scallops, but the life cycle of a lobster is so long that if the eggs that go out from a lobster when they breed and they float around the ocean for two years going through multiple planktonic stages before they settle on a reef and grow, which takes another seven years, so a seismic test today might not impact visibly on fishing stocks until six, seven years down the track. Now, in six or seven years' time, you try bringing Schlumberger back to the table to say, hey... We think you've impacted our fishing seven years ago. Good luck with that. If you've just joined us, I'm speaking with Marcus Nole, chair of the Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op. And I noticed that the stakeholder information sheet that TGS and Schlumberger provided to fishing organizations stated in the Frequently Asked Questions section, should fishers be genuinely impacted by the Otway Basin 3D multi-client MSS, TGS and Schlumberger would consider claims on a case-by-case basis. I asked Marcus Nolley what needed to happen in his view. And for listeners who may not be familiar with it, a, a new acronym, NOPSEMA, the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority. NOPSEMA signs off on the environmental plans of companies seeking approval for offshore oil and gas exploration. Here's Marcus Nolley again. NOPSEMA has created a regulatory framework for how the environment is managed. However, the precautionary principle does not apply. If this exact same sort of exploration was happening on the land, 
two things would be required. The company would have to post a rehabilitation bond to address any damage they do, plus they would have to abide by the precautionary principle. It's an international standard which says if there is uncertainty about the impact of an activity in the environment, then you either don't do it or you go and study it to the extent that you understand the impact that it is going to have so you can manage it properly. Well, that principle does apply to us as commercial fishers in the ocean. So we have to be very conservative about how we fish, where there is uncertainty about the stocks, for example. But the petroleum industry is not bound by that obligation. So what happens in practice is they make ambit claims saying we're not doing any harm and it's up to the seafood industry to somehow prove the extent of the harm that's taking place. And until such time as we're able to do that, the petroleum industry can basically just keep on doing what it's doing. The true environmental risks are just not being recognised, nor are they being managed. Where do citizens sit in these legal processes? What the regulations say is that they have to consult with what they consider to be impacted parties. What they don't consider to be an impacted party are citizens. So nobody from the community can write in and complain about any of this and have that complaint considered because the petroleum company can say, you are not an impacted party. We will not listen to any generic complaints about anti-fossil fuel positions. We will not listen to any claims of cumulative impact because requirement is not there for us to consider cumulative impact. So all of these genuine concerns from your average citizen by design cannot be heard. If you've got a regulatory regime which allows the suppression of concern, the suppression of risks, if that regime is allowed to function as it does now, we, we can't get anywhere because we don't have a leg to stand on. Marcus Nolley, chair of the Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op. My next guest is Lisa Deppela, an environmental activist with Otway Climate Emergency Action Network, or OCEAN, based in Apollo Bay. Here's how she felt when she heard the news that multinational companies TGS and Schlumberger were seeking a license to conduct more seismic surveys in the Otway Basin. It's bigger than anything we've ever seen in the Otway Basin before. The 2021 release, we were fairly blown away by the size of that because it was about four times larger than all previous titles put together. And then this one just left us gobsmacked. They'll be seeking approval from NOPTA, which is the National Offshore Petroleum Titles Administrator, to get what's called a Special Prospectors Authority. Do we know how long it will take for them to get approval or not get approval? For the SPA, I'm pretty sure they'll get approval because I don't think NOPTA is accustomed to knocking people back for these sort of things. And then what they have to do is develop an environmental plan and then it will go to NOPSEMA there will be consultation. But that consultation is so limited. I can't contact NOPSEMA and say, listen, I'm not really happy about this because we shouldn't be mining any more gas. Issues like that don't count. It's really unless you're in a boat out there and they're going to bump into you or you're going to have to pull up your pots from a certain area if you're a fisherman that you generally have any say at all. The first step is to go to NOPTA. NOPTA is likely to approve this and then it goes to NOPSEMA. How long then does it take NOPSEMA usually to consider these applications? It goes out for consultation for 30 days. It doesn't take too long at all. I know that Schlumberger would like to start blasting early December. 
That's not far off at all. People who live and work in this area, well, how did they respond when they heard the news? They will look at the sheer size and they will understand the damage that that will do. And everybody here loves our fishing industry. We're very proud of our little fishing fleet from Apollo Bay. They're an incredibly sustainable fleet and we know it's going to impact on our local fishermen as well. I saw on the TGS website that they've already conducted a lot of seismic surveys in the Otway Basin. Approximately 50% of it was 2D seismic tested back in 2019. 3D is generally reserved for more intensive investigation when you know that there's some reserves there. It's the sheer size of the project, but it's all in 3D, which is more damaging to zooplankton. Because it's 3D, the blasts don't go down directly. They go out in the cone shape. And the grid lines where the ship goes back and forward ensure that they have overlap. They have to have overlap to get the 3D. So critters that can't get out of the way get hit multiple times. If they do find large gas deposits and they decide to mine it, we're looking at a minimum of 15 years before They've tapped into it and it's online. In 15 years' time, we need to have moved on. If the Australian government accepts this gas exploration, we might as well reconcile ourselves to a two or three degree global warming. We can't be mining new gas in 15 years plus time. It seems to me it's the petroleum companies that are deciding where they want to explore where they want to mine, and anopsema is just a process of cut and paste and tick some boxes and away it goes. It's time Australia looked after our resources and looked after our planet. Lisa Deppola from Ocean, the Otway Climate Emergency Action Network. My next guest is Yaron Cousins Bundle, a Gunjit Mara woman and whale dreaming custodian. She's also the coordinator of SOPEC, the Southern Ocean Protection Embassy Collective. I spoke with Yaron on September 20th, the day we heard the sad news that more than a dozen sperm whales died in a mass stranding on King Island off the coast of Tasmania. Here's Yaron. We'd just like to acknowledge the ancestors and country that I come from, the Kwon Kapunut and the Pikwarong and the Kirewarong, language people part of Warrnambool from where I'm yarning to you today. SOPEC is made up of Gunditjmara community members and elders. That was set up in response to industrialisation across Gunditjmara country, which includes part of the Otway Basin. We come together to make a last stand for our country and our purpose is to create awareness and education and understanding around our sovereign birthrights as Gunditjmara people and how the wider community can support the First Nation story in protecting country for future generations. And that includes everybody. When you heard the news that multinational companies, TGS and Schlumberger, We're seeking approval for a 3D seismic survey in the Otway Basin. You issued a press release opposing any new seismic blasting or gas well development in the Southern Ocean. Our major concern is that TGS and Schoenberger have applied 
for the largest seismic blasting attempt in the world. If this goes ahead, that means the destruction of not only the sea country, but the whale populations in the Southern Ocean. There's actually breaking news this morning that 14 sperm whales have turned up dead on King Island, off Tassie. Seismic blasting is already happening across the Bass Strait and the Otway Basin. And this is a stark reminder of why none of these projects should be going ahead. The last southern right whale birthing and calving nursery that we have in Gunditjmara country, which is known as Logan's Beach in Warrnambool, that is paramount that that is saved and protected and that marine sanctuary status is granted right along that coast. If the seismic testing and blastings are approved, what that means is miscommunication and misnavigation for the cetacean populations, and that can have a detrimental effect on their birthing and calving, and the numbers are just starting to recover from whaling. And here's our federal government saying, yes, we choose resource extraction over protection of our native animals in their natural habitat. And so it's about time that we are listened to and we are supported to implement solutions for country instead of these huge gas corporations taking and not only taking from the First Nations and the sea country kin, but from the Australian people as well. Yaron Cousins Bundle coordinator of SOPEC, the Southern Ocean Protection Embassy Collective, and we spoke on September 20th. And since then, hundreds of whales have been stranded along the coast of Tasmania. And while there are many reasons why stranding occurs, studies going back to the early 2000s have shown that seismic blasting has a negative impact on whales, causing hearing impairment, difficulties with feeding, and interference with communication and navigation. Scientists who study the matter have concluded that there is enough information to apply the precautionary principle, that is to put a stop to seismic testing, until we have more information. We're coming to the end of this week's edition of Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. A big thank you to all our guests today. Kat Dory from the Australian Marine Conservation Society. You can find out more about Kat's work by going to www marineconservation.org.au. We also heard from Marcus Nole, chair of the Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op, and Lisa Depola from Ocean, the Otway Climate Emergency Action Network. Ocean's website is www.ocean.org.au. And Yaron Cousins Bundle from SOPEC, the Southern Ocean Protection Embassy Collective. And you can find out more about the collective by going to their Facebook page. Earth Matters thanks the Community Radio Network for their efforts in broadcasting today's episode and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and we can be contacted on earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And that's all for now, but do tune in next week for more environment and social justice stories.
You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Tracy R. Community Radio, 855 AM. 